everybody, this is Dan Lobby. Before we get started here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, let me tell you about Football Insider, our text subscriber service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break. I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216 208 3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Everybody, welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well. It's Scott Pasco joining us. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Ready to go. All right, so uh, today we put a call out to our Football Insider subscribers to get some questions for us to do the work for us here on the pod and give us some topics. And as usual, they came through with some great questions, so we're going to get to those here over the next uh, 20 minutes to half hour here. And we're going to start with the Baker Mayfield question. We know where uh, we know where the Baker Mayfield question took us a couple of days ago, Mary Kay. It ended up extending our podcast about half an hour and uh, ended up having a pretty good discussion about his contract. But uh, this question has to do with this game specifically uh, from the 515 area code. How much pressure do you think is on Baker Mayfield this weekend back in his home state against America's team? We all know the national media will destroy him if he plays terrible, whether it's fair or unfair criticism. And I think that's, uh, I think that's kind of a fair take because even though this isn't like a four o'clock game or a game in the national spotlight, it is still a game against the Dallas Cowboys, right? America's team, the ratings bonanza, wherever they are, people are going to be watching this football game. I think there is some pressure on Baker Mayfield in this one. Yeah. And not only that, uh, it, it really always seems to me like, even though the Cowboys are America's team, the Browns generate a lot of interest nationally. It, it just, it doesn't matter what's going on with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they move the needle and people are interested in what the heck is going on with Cleveland. So I think this is a matchup uh, where you've got a lot of eyeballs on this game. And once again, you've got Dak Prescott uh, versus Baker Mayfield. You've got the Cowboys with their backs against the wall. Can you imagine them starting off one and three in a season, which I'm sure Jerry Jones has high, high hopes for this football team. So, uh, you know, he's coming off of a shootout against Russell Wilson. Uh, Dak is 
and Baker's coming off of a victory, but you know, one after which he was a little bit hard on himself for things that went on in that victory against Washington. Didn't really like some of the things that he did. Knows he has to step up his game. An opportunity for the Browns to go to three and one. Could you imagine? There was almost a parade for two and one. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think it's. I think there's a lot of pressure on this game. I think there's there's pressure on Baker, maybe from the fact that the Cowboys are better at defending the run, much better at defending the run than they are against uh, the pass. They've given up some big plays uh, in pass defense, and knowing what we know about the Browns' pass defense and all these amazing receivers that the Cowboys have, it just seems like one of those games that could turn into uh, a situation where Baker Mayfield has to throw to keep the Browns in it. Um, so from that respect, yeah, but I'm actually working on a, a post about what does a successful game for Baker Mayfield look like with this team. And um, I, I think it's closer to what we've seen the last two weeks. You know, he was 16 to 23, two games in a row, um, passer rating over 100, three for two touchdowns, both games. Um, we're probably going to see more games from Baker Mayfield that resemble that in Browns wins than we are, uh, you know, the 35 to 40 passes and 300 yards uh, through the year. It just doesn't seem like this offense is set up for that. So, but I, I do believe though, that just based on what we know about the Cowboys defense and the fact that they've been hurt passing the ball, I, one of these teams are going to shut down the Browns run game and Baker's going to have to step up and, it, you know, signs are starting to point that this week could be it. Yeah, it could be this week. Pittsburgh in a couple weeks too is as, as one of the best run defenses too in the league. So some good tests probably coming. I'll ask you this, Mary Kay, because you brought up the Dallas-Cleveland comparison. Who do you think is under more pressure right now, Baker or Dak? You know, because Dak's playing for that contract and, and that came up from one of our uh, Football Insider subscribers, him not getting paid yet. Who do you think right now, like week to week, is under more pressure? Right now, I would say uh, that it's Dak, especially this week. I mean, this week, uh, they've got to pull out of a little bit of a tailspin. You don't want to come off of a game like that uh, where you got in this shootout, uh, you really kind of could have won the game or at least almost won the game in the, uh, in the fourth quarter there at the end. And, you know, you just, you can't go one and three and expect that you're going to very easily dig out of that kind of a hole. Uh, everybody knows what kind of pressure is on Dak Prescott. He's trying to get the big contract. He's playing on the franchise tag of $31 million this year. That's a heck of a lot of money uh, in its own right, right? Um, you know, that's right up there with the best quarterbacks uh, in the NFL. So if he wants to be paid like one of those guys, and he does, we know that he does, uh, then he's got to go out and win a game like this against a, a good defensive front. Now the Browns are in a situation where Denzel Ward has a groin injury. We don't know if he's even going to be able to play this game. Uh, he sat out practice today. I actually think when you're dealing with a cornerback and a groin injury that you need to err on the side of caution and you need to just, if you have to shut it down, shut it down. I almost think that, uh, you know, maybe they rushed him back a little bit too fast because they were worried about Terry McLaurin uh, of Washington. You know what? When, when you are a cornerback, you need to be able to run. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have come to the conclusion that Denzel might need to shut it down a little bit. Tough week not to have your shutdown corner, but sometimes you have to do what you have to do. Yeah, this question is easy. If you play for Jerry Jones, there's always going to be more pressure on you as a quarterback <laughs> to perform. That's, I mean, that's just the way it is. 
Yeah, I, I was sitting here. I, I figured you both say Dak. I was trying to come up with the case for Baker, and I'm just thinking, could you imagine in this city if, like, Jimmy Haslam went on the radio every Monday or held press conferences after games? Like, it can sometimes seem like the Browns have so much swirling around them and, and can be a circus, but at least they don't have to deal with things like that with the owner kind of just going off every week on some tangent and, and making those types of headlines. Uh, let's talk about this. It was obviously brought up and it is a topic of conversation because for the first time uh, in season, the NFL is dealing with uh, COVID-19. The Steelers Titans game on Sunday, uh, it hasn't been officially announced, but it looks like that's going to end up getting moved to Monday or Tuesday to, to kind of give them some time to continue to track testing. Uh, obviously this is going to, perk up everybody's attention when something like this happens because the NFL has done a really good job to this point. You've seen those testing numbers every single week, just not returning positives, not affecting the game. Uh, when you guys saw this, you know, when I saw it, I thought back to baseball, right? When this happened in baseball, it was like, uh-oh, it's over. Baseball's done. And now guess what? There's a bunch of playoff games today. So I guess my first thought was, let's just kind of see how this plays out. Let's see if they, if they can contain this one situation here and move forward uh, before we really start freaking out because we kind of knew this was going to happen at some point, right? Mm -hmm. As of right now, uh, you know, I think it's, it's still not a catastrophic thing. I mean, the Vikings who they played are testing negative. Now, of course, if you're exposed, it can take up to two weeks for you to get uh, infected or get a positive test or whatever. But I actually kind of thought that this might be one of those false positive situations. Uh, but I see that Mike Rabel has, say, has been saying that some of his players are symptomatic. Uh, so this is a situation where some guys actually have COVID. And, uh, and that means that other guys on the team now have this two-week window where maybe they will end up uh, testing positive as well. So we don't know how it's going to go yet, but I think it's been remarkable that it hasn't happened sooner I think it's been amazing that there have been so few situations like this and it was expected at some point. Yeah, I think it's, it's great that they got through three weeks without something like this happening. And now, again, like you said, we knew something was going to happen at some point. It's just the odds said it would. And now we're here and now we get to find out how the NFL deals with it. And, you know, you hope that it doesn't spread. You hope it's just one game. And the thing that the NFL would have to deal with that baseball didn't is just the scheduling is so different and you only have so many days to deal with as far as postponing or, or moving a game or trying to switch around bye weeks and one bye affects another and another and um, it can get it can get really complicated so for right now if they can get this game off on Monday or Tuesday then and kind of move on from it um, that's a success for the NFL. Right you know this isn't like an original thought here but I, I did see somebody point this out today that you know the NFL kind of again I guess gets a break here because this happened early in the week. So they can get this game potentially on a Monday or a Tuesday and, and turn somebody around to a short week. If this were to happen on a Thursday or a Friday, then you're really scrambling. And, and that's when you really start getting into, you know, maybe you have to cancel a game and move it. And, and like you said, Scott, you've got to start shuffling around those, those bye weeks a little bit. Uh, and then maybe even moving your calendar back a, a little bit if you need to, because you can't get away with like in baseball when even in a 60 game schedule, that's still 60 games. You know, in the NFL, you almost have to have every team uh, play 16 games. You can't have one team play like 14 and, and really call it a fair season. Uh, a question here about the defense. 
And this is interesting from the 931 area code. What changes does Joe Woods need to make on defense to improve our coverage in the perimeter of the field? That's Jack from Hampshire, Tennessee. Um, so the Browns obviously have struggled defensively. They've given up a lot of chunk plays. They've struggled in the back end of that defense. And I'm a little torn here because on the one hand, you know, you, you never want to give the defensive coordinator a pass and say, well, you know, what can he do? There's always something you can do, right? But I also am not sure this is a completely a problem of Joe Woods making. Uh, so, so what do you guys think Joe Woods can do to kind of get this defense, you know, a little better in that back end and, and playing a little better? You want, you want me to go first, Mary Kay? <laughs> Whoever wants it. Well, well, clearly, I mean, number one, get healthy. Um, the players that are on the field right now, and I know everybody talks about next man up and you should be able to scheme to success and all that, but, the fact is there are people on the field for the Browns right now in the back end of that secondary that should not be on the field as much as they are. People, players like Tavier Thomas, um, the linebackers are in disarray. Uh, but there's also the fact that the frontline linebackers that they've had on the field for much of the season are a little too slow to deal with how teams are attacking them out in space. So, so that's an issue. Um, I don't know off the top of my head how you deal with that other than you get maybe a different group. We're getting Mac Wilson uh, back on the field here soon. You're going to see Jacob Phillips. I think he was back at practice today, right? So uh, quicker guys who give Joe Woods maybe uh, more options to, to match up in certain downs and, and distance situations. But um, he doesn't have a lot to work with right now. I think getting Kevin Johnson back on the field, getting Greedy Williams back on the field so that you don't have Tavier Thomas or MD Stewart in situations where you don't want to have them is a big help too. Um, as far as safety goes, I'm still waiting to see something from Ronnie Harrison that says, yeah, the Browns definitely should have signed this guy because he's had about 15 snaps and hasn't looked all that great in his limited action. So I'm not sure what answers you got at safety. Well, you know what? I, I agree with you so much on, on the health thing. I just think that there has been such a lack of continuity uh, in the, the whole back end of that defense, you know, starting from the linebackers on back and, and to be out there at practice today to see uh, Jacob Phillips back, I think that will really help them. Mac Wilson only played six snaps in this past game. Uh, I think that uh, it showed up even in, you know, some 12 men on the field and some uh, substitution issues that happened in the last game. I think that there's just been, uh, they have not had their full complement of defense at all this year, not even close. I mean, just not even close. Even, you know, when guys started to come back a little bit, Kevin Johnson came back last week, but then Denzel Ward goes out and uh, doesn't play the second half. KJ has to replace him. Uh, you know, they, they were down to Tavier Thomas as their nickel cornerback. Uh, now Olivier Vernon, he was back today again, but, you know, he was out, Adrian Claiborne. I mean, really, truthfully, this is not what, uh, what Joe Woods, that, that's not – the, uh, the group that he started out with by any stretch of the imagination. So for right now, I'm going to attribute it 90% of the issues to health. And let's see how it goes over the next three weeks. And, Go ahead, Scott. I was going to say one more thing on, on, the, on the safeties. Uh, Sandejo has played every snap this season and Carl Joseph, 97%. It just, it, and they've really been the only two safeties on the field you know, for most of these games. So it makes you wonder what their plan was for Delpit. Was he someone who they wanted to go in and, and be one of two safeties? Or were we going to see more three safety looks? Because they really haven't had three safeties on the field at all this season. Sheldrick Redron can't get on 
the field on defense. He started five games last year, you know, and after the only other player who's, who's seen uh, snaps is, is Ronnie Harrison. So um, I'm just curious to see going forward, if we're going to see three safeties on the field or if they've scrapped whatever plans they might've had for Delpit and they're just trying to, you know, to make the best of it with, with Carl Joseph and Sendejo. I really think that they were going to go with sort of a, a big nickel three safety look way more than, than we have seen lately. And I think that Grant was going to be a huge part of that. And I think that, you know, I think they're trying to see if maybe Ronnie Harrison can play some of that role, but it is a little bit difficult to just get thrown, uh, you know, into a team, into new terminology, into a new system, you know, just a, a couple of weeks ago. So obviously you just can't plug and play him that you would the way that you would have Grant but they had a lot of things carved out for Grant Delpit. So, so the one thing I'll say, kind of going back to what I alluded to, that you know, I don't know how much of this is really on Joe Woods, is it seems to me like the defensive line has certainly been the strength of this defense when they played well, especially Miles Garrett. And, and you look, that's where the money is really invested. That's where they invested a draft pick. Uh, they, they redid Vernon's contract to keep him around. Obviously, he hasn't been out there either. That's, that's another guy they've lost. They signed Claiborne. But they didn't really invest a lot in the other positions. They drafted Grant Delpit. That's about it, though. So uh, I guess it's, it's hard to really look at this and say this is on Joe Woods and this is on scheme when you, we also kind of went into this season knowing this defense just isn't complete. And they lost a key piece that they added, and everything else was kind of one-year deals. Hey, let's see what this guy can do outside of Denzel Ward. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to put a lot of that on, uh, on Joe Woods. Well, We'll see what he can come up with to, uh, once his whole team gets healthy. A lot of Donovan Peoples-Jones talk, speaking of draft picks and draft assets, because a lot of folks kind of assuming that with JoJo Natson getting hurt, maybe this would finally be the opportunity to see Donovan Peoples-Jones on the field. It still could be. We don't know. But uh, anybody who listened to our 20 questions pods or listened to us during the offseason knows that uh, Dontrell Hilliard is a guy that was going to be an option in the kick return game. And I know, Scott, you brought him up a lot. Dontrell Hilliard now elevated from the practice squad. It's hard to not see that and think, yeah, maybe they're going to use him as their kick returner or maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones isn't ready. So here's the hypothetical. If Donovan Peoples-Jones isn't playing on Sunday, considering the injuries, considering there's an opportunity there at kick return, is that a disappointment? Not, not overall necessarily, but just is it disappointing that he's still really not ready to get on that field yet, Mary Kay? You know what? I'm going to say no on that. I think he's sort of a developmental player, and that's what you sort of expect when you draft a guy in the sixth round, that you're going to bring him along, and you're going to develop him, and as time goes on, uh, he will work his way into some reps, and I think that was the plan. I think uh, we would have started to see him this week, so I'm going to predict that he probably will be up this week. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say, but I, I do think that maybe part of Dontrell uh, could be a function of Kareem Hunt having a groin injury now. So, you know, I was just, again, I was just out at practice a little while ago. There was Kareem over there on the sidelines. And I think that is, the, you know, that could be potentially huge if he can't play in this game. Um, hopefully for him and for the Browns, he will be able to. Um, but so I don't know if Dontrell is 100% a statement on Donovan Peoples-Jones not being out there to return. I think he will probably be active this week might get a few reps on offense, might get a few punt returns. It would be odd to uh, have Peoples-Jones on the roster and not have him return kicks this week because it was clear as camp wore on that it was, it was 
Peoples-Jones and Natson. Those were the two guys who were almost exclusively getting those reps towards the end of camp. And, you know, as we know, they, they, they let Hilliard go and then put him, you know, brought him back on the practice squad. So to have Hilliard come up now and take that rollover would just seem odd. Um, but, I mean, you could put anybody back there on kickoffs. They've had one kickoff return this year. Everybody's kicking it out of the end zone uh, against the Browns, and the Browns seem to have figured out that they should do that too the last couple of weeks. So uh, that's not a big deal. I think as a punt returner, I'd like to see what Peoples-Jones can do. He, he averaged 8.3 yards a return at Michigan, which is exactly what Natson was giving you this year um, on like four returns. So uh, we know what Hilliard can do, and it isn't as much as he's done on kickoff returns. So I think uh, I think they should give Peoples-Jones a shot. Is this uh, is this the Rashard Higgins week finally? Any, anybody want to call their shot on Rashard Higgins getting some playing time? You know what? I would think he'll probably be active. I mean, they were left pretty short last week, and I don't think they would – necessarily want to find themselves in that situation again. Uh, so I think this is a week where Richard could uh, not only be active, but maybe get a, get a few reps. But, I mean, he does have guys in front of him. Kaderil Hodge is not moving out of that spot anytime soon. And as we've talked about so many different times, they don't use three wides a lot. And therefore, uh, those extra reps are going to be very hard to come by. Yeah, if they want extra receivers out there, they're, they're looking at Austin Hooper. Harrison Bryant, or, you know, Kareem Hunt, if he's healthy. It's, it's weird what's happened to Rashard Higgins, but I don't see him uh, uh, making a big jump in reps this week. Yeah, I, I still have not seen a, a formation with more than three wide receivers on the field yet this season. So it, it's pretty clear that uh, when, when they have that fourth wide receiver, he obviously comes in for Hodge, and they want to use him in different ways than just kind of a, you know, Rashard's more of a reliability possession guy. He, you know, he's not – that's why JoJo Natson was out there taking those end of rounds uh, and, and things like that, or at least faking most of them. Uh, all right, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this upcoming game on Sunday in Dallas. Back on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Patsko. Let's talk about the game a little bit from the 216 area code. This is River in Cleveland Heights, and you're going to know that name here, uh, podcast listeners, very soon because he will also be our football insider picker uh, on Friday on our Picks Pod. So uh, River will be joining us actually on the pod on Friday. He wants to know about the Browns' offense and how it's going to contrast with Dallas. Uh, the, the term shootout was used a few times in media availability today. So his question is, will a run-first offense be able to keep up with a high-powered Dallas O that should not have too many issues moving the ball on the Browns' questionable secondary, especially with Ward out or not at 100%. I think this is an interesting question, right? This is sort of style versus style. And if we've learned one thing about Kevin Stefanski is he's going to be who he is. He's not going to panic. I wrote about this a little bit. I thought that that huge drive in the fourth quarter was really impressive that the Browns didn't get away from who they were. They came out, they ran the ball, big personnel, uh, and, and it was really effective. I almost feel like this could be an advantage for the Browns because yeah, maybe Dallas moves the ball and scores a bunch, but when the Browns have the ball, they're going to be able to kind of control things a little bit and, and be able to control the clock if that's what they want to do and, and be who they are. I'm kind of excited, Mary Kay, to see this, this battle of styles, I guess we'll call it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't think that they're all of a sudden going to turn into a four verts kind of a team. Just uh, not feeling that from the Cleveland Browns right <laughs> I now. I think that's safe to say. <laughs> um, so yeah I, I think they will stick with with what they're doing well especially uh, in this first quarter of the season 
uh, a lot of teams, most teams start, you know, sort of break down seasons in quarters. So this is the last game in the first quarter. A lot of times that they will go back and reevaluate after the quarter and then change some things up, add some things in. But I think we will see uh, a, a lot more of what we've seen before, especially if Kareem Hunt is able to play this game. I think you'll still see a lot of Nick. I think you'll still see a lot of Kareem. Uh, the pass to run ratio was very run heavy in the last game. You know what, though? I do believe Kevin Stefanski when he says he'll do whatever it takes to win. And therefore, if they are going to need to pass the ball more in this game, they'll do it. I think they wanted to kind of go a little slow. They saw Baker throw a few interceptions. I think they wanted to kind of maybe take the ball out of his hands a little bit. Uh, but last game, he didn't throw an interception. Maybe he earned a few more passes this game. We shall see. I mean, if you're winning, it can be whatever you want on offense. You know, if the, if the Browns are, are able to uh, move the ball consistently on the ground and get points on the board and they're not falling behind uh, in the first half against the Cowboys like they did in week one, uh, then, then we can see the Browns team we've seen the last couple of weeks uh, where it's, it's really run heavy. And, and again, Baker's not, not throwing a ton. Um, you know, I guess we, what we don't know about this offense yet is, is it uh, an offense that can rally from a big deficit? They clearly couldn't do that in week one. Um, you know, at some point this year, they're going to be in that situation again. And, uh, you know, we'll find out what they learned from that first game and being in that situation. I, I think that uh, you're going to see them come out and stick with the game plan they've had the last couple of weeks as far as making sure Chubb and Hunt are, are a big part of the offense. I don't see them coming out and thinking that, you know, all right, we got to throw a lot because we know that Dallas is going to, you get in big chunks on our defense. I think it's, you run the ball and you, you, you keep faith with what, with what works and, and hopefully you're, you're matching Dallas. You know, it doesn't matter if they score in three plays and you take 12, it's, you're still scoring. And that's the important part. And I, yeah, I will say they're, go ahead. They're, you know, you can throw, you can throw on this Dallas secondary. So that is, you know, the Browns are going to, that is not lost on them. So I do expect that uh, they will have Baker, uh, be taking his well-pointed shots on on this secondary. Yeah, we definitely shouldn't be talking about this Dallas team like they're like some great defense because they obviously uh, are not. And and we saw Seattle was able to uh, to throw the ball against them a lot last week. But interestingly, kind of looking at personnel groupings uh, that I just pulled up from Warren Sharp, this really is a contrast in styles. Dallas seventy-eight percent uh, of their plays in eleven personnel. The Browns thirty-nine percent. You know, Brown's 28% of their plays in 12 personnel and Dallas just 9%. So uh, it, it really is kind of a contrast in offensive approaches between how the Browns do things and, and how Dallas does things. So uh, that, that should be kind of fun to see uh, on Sunday. Now, a question, another scheme question here. This comes from the 561 area code. Uh, we've gotten a chance to really see this offense now, three, three weeks. It's not a huge sample size, but we have at least gotten to see it on the field. Uh, the Browns have very good receivers. We know that. The question here is, knowing that the new offense is still being perfected by the coaches and the players, do you feel the general offensive scheme fits the wide receiver personnel the Browns have? Because it seems to this person someone should be open more often than not, or is Baker missing open receivers? Uh, I, I don't know if I've, you know, the, the open receivers thing, I'm not, you know, I don't know. I think he's finding guys. I think sometimes when he has to go past that first read, he struggled. Uh, but I think he's getting better there. I do think it is interesting, though, to kind of look at, at Landry and Beckham and, and how they really fit in this offense. I feel like Landry's a really good fit. I still feel like Odell, even though he had a really nice day on Sunday and did make a couple big catches, 
is still kind of figuring out how to fit in this whole thing. Well, yeah, I think it's a work in progress. I think the coaches are still trying to figure out how they want to use all these great pieces that they have in this offense. There's so many different things that they can still do. They haven't even scratched the surface. And again, I think that they're taking it as they feel like their quarterback can handle it. And the more they think that Baker can do without throwing the ball to the other team, the more they'll let him do. Uh, this past game, uh, OBJ bailed him out of, of an interception. So he's got to be able to prove to them uh, that he can nail those shots and, and get it right and before they're going to let him you know, start throwing it all over the place. So I think that has something to do with it. Um, the more he proves himself, the more they trust him, the more he'll get to do. I mean, I, I don't think it's much of, as much of a deal of, of, of is this offense something that can get the wide receiver wide receivers open? It's are they being efficient enough in, in how they're using you know Chubb and Hunt and getting Baker into those positions where he's making throws that he's confident in making. Last season, um, that wasn't happening as much, especially in the first half of the year. So. Again, like you said, I think they're still trying to figure things out. Uh, this is a work in progress. They didn't have any preseason. And even though we're three games into the year, there's plenty we haven't seen from this offense, uh, just based on what we saw in camp. Um, so I think the receivers are fine. I think Beckham and Landry are, are fine, uh, as long as they're not forcing it, like they kind of did to Beckham early on this season. I think, uh, you know, I think what, what they're giving you is okay. And one thing that I, I keep sort of, waiting to see happen a little bit more is the ball going to the tight end. Uh, Austin Hooper, I, you know, I keep wondering when they're going to capitalize on, on the mismatches that he can create because he really pretty, I mean, he's got great hands and he catches everything. So, uh, but once again, when you're only getting 23 passes a game and 16 completions a game, obviously you're not going to have a guy that has nine catches. Uh, but I do think that there is, you know, there are plenty uh, places to go, plenty of things that you can mine still from this offense. I think it is really interesting um, how Harrison Bryant has kind of developed here early in the season. He, he was obviously one of the stars at camp, but then, you know, David Njoku comes out and has a great game in Baltimore. You're starting to wonder, oh, you know, is Harrison going to get buried a little bit? Njoku gets hurt. He's on IR. And now Bryant, again, similar to camp when Njoku was hurt, he, he's really stepped up and done a lot of good things for this team. And so that, that, that's been a really nice development. I like, I always think it's interesting how they kind of use him. They do use him in motion a lot. They do split him out wide a lot. I, I feel like, you know, they're doing some different things with him than even with Austin Hooper. So I, I think that's been a very interesting development here early on. Okay, we started with a Baker question. We're going to end with a Baker question. Uh, this comes from the 301 area code. I, I kind of hate the, the way it's phrased, but I'll say it the way that, that this texter said it. Why so much hate on Baker? All he's doing is winning. There's no hate. You know, it's just our jobs to be critical. But now, if he's talking about us, it's just our jobs to be critical at times. And he's he's talking about Doug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, Doug's going to get mentioned in the reviews now again. <laughs> um, with Baker, let, let's say he does continue to have these games like you said, Scott. You know, a game like Sunday, 16 to 23, maybe barely gets to 200 yards or doesn't throws a couple of touchdowns, but the Browns win. I know quarterback wins is not a stat, but is, is that enough? If, if we get to the end of this season and he's having a bunch of games like that and this team is nine and seven or dare I say 10 and six, is that good enough? 
It's, here's the problem. We're conditioned to think that Baker Mayfield should be winning games for the Browns because he was number one overall pick. And we saw the way he played as a rookie. This offense, I don't believe, is set up to make him the star in that respect. This offense is set up to make him efficient and to complement the running game and, and the other things that Kevin Stefanski wants to do to move the ball. So it's going to seem like maybe Baker Mayfield isn't who he's supposed to be, even though the Browns are having success. I mean, he's completed almost 70% of his passes the last two weeks. But I know that there were people who came away uh, from uh, the last couple games wondering if we saw a good performance by Baker Mayfield or not. It's, it's going to be kind of a game-by-game -game situation because not all 16 for 23s are created equal. You know, he only threw for 154 yards against Washington because they kept turning the ball over and they really didn't have to march very hard or far to get in the end zone. Um, it would have been nice to see them try to put together some long drives against Washington to maybe get more of an idea of what kind of game Baker Mayfield really had. Um, but I don't think, I don't think anybody's really, like you said, I don't think anybody's really hating on Baker Mayfield. I think it's, it's this weird situation where we're trying to figure out what, what does a good game or good season by Baker Mayfield look like in this offense. And I don't know that we know that exactly yet. Yeah. You know, I, I expect that Baker Mayfield, as he gets more comfortable in this offense, as, as the terminology becomes something that he doesn't really have to think about and he can uh, operate, you know, just a little bit quicker, make faster decisions, uh, you know, make better reads and, and, have better feet and all of that kind of stuff. I think he's going to get better as the weeks go on. And the thing that I was kind of harping on after this game is, you know, the question that in, in my mind, and we did debate this ad nauseum the other day uh, with Doug, and that was, uh, I don't think he has to be anything if they can win games with him just being what he is right now. So I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. The question in my mind is when you look ahead to, roster building and salaries and all of those sorts of things and you have decision making coming up uh, do you need to pay uh, Baker Mayfield like Deshaun Watson's getting paid or almost like Patrick Mahomes is getting paid if you can get the job accomplished without shelling out about 40 million dollars a year and do you need Odell Beckham Jr. and Austin Hooper and Jarvis Landry and all these other guys that are making double-digit millions. Think about this. Baker, Odell, Jarvis, and Austin Hooper are taking up, an en if Baker gets paid like that, an enormous, enormous chunk of your salary cap. And if you don't need that, if you're not going to run that kind of an offense, then chances are you might not need to invest. How much would that be per year, you know? 40, 50, 60, 70, some million dollars. I was an English major, so I can't <laughs> 70 some million dollars a year. Uh, if, you know, you, you just might not need to do that. So I just think from an economic and roster building and analytic standpoint, it's a fascinating conversation to have right now. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, guess, I guess a big piece of it is not can you win with Baker, it's how much can you win with Baker is the question they're going to have to answer. It's just, just look at Kansas City. They had a good quarterback. They were winning, and they decided that the ceiling wasn't high enough, so they got aggressive. They went out and they got 
maybe the, the greatest quarterback of all time. We'll, we'll see where that ends up in, in 15 or 20 years where, where Patrick Mahomes lands. But, uh, you know, when, when you look at that, that's the question they're going to have to answer. And we probably won't have that answer after this season unless Baker just starts lighting it up and, and you're like, okay, yeah, this guy can win and he goes and wins a playoff game. But that, that's the fascinating discussion with Baker. And it's a decision that Andrew Barry and this coaching staff are going to have to make. And they've, like we talked about the other day, after this year, they've got big decisions. They don't have to make an ultimate decision after this year, but there are things that they have to think about after this season with Baker Mayfield that, that are going to get very interesting. And look, Browns fans can't complain if this team wins. So uh, they've got that going for them too. All right. That'll do it on this for this edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast. You've got to get subscribed. If you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to it and you're not subscribed, you've got to get subscribed because Scott, I know you guys have uh, a new Got to watch the tape pod coming on Friday. Uh, Friday do you yeah. know what you're going to talk about yet? Yeah, you know, we mentioned Austin Hooper a little earlier in this podcast. We're going to dive into him about uh, how he's done so far and what we should expect. And I believe we're going to get into the red zone and how the Browns performed. So those are our two topics for, for Friday's pod. Okay, so we'll have that on Friday. And then, of course, Friday we'll also have our picks pod. As a little preview, I just want to say I did go 4 0 last week. So if, if you want to listen to the picks pod, you'll get to see me now go 0 and 4, I'm sure. Uh, the week after that. Uh, but we'll get you through your weekend. We'll get you to that Dallas game. And then, of course, we'll have the post-game show uh, coming up. And if you want to be a part of that live, all you have to do is text 216-208-3965 to check out Football Insider and try out that 14-day free trial to jump on our post-game Zoom and be a part of our post-game podcast. For Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.